Playoff time is when things start getting serious on the court. Players are more driven than ever to win these big games and keep advancing. Goodyear knows all about being more driven, too. Working hard to help you advance on and off the road. Let Goodyear.com help you choose what's best. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. Andrew Hahn, what am I supposed to say? Uh, you're supposed to say, well, I hope you subscribe by now, but everyone should be rating, subscribing, and reviewing Brian Winhorst and the Hoop Collective. Thank you. It's Thanksgiving Eve. Um, hope everyone is having decent travel, etc. Uh, I traveled yesterday to Akron, Cleveland area where my family is, but also the Lakers are playing the Cavs tonight. Uh, we'll talk about that a little later. LeBron return part two or whatever. Um, in Boston, hopefully with her family on Thanksgiving is Jackie McMullen. Jackie, how's your week going? It's, it's going, it's going. <laughs> it's, it's um, not everybody's here yet. You know, I got, I, you know, yeah, it's going. We're fine. Life is good. No complaints. Good. I can make some up of it. I do Please. want you to know that whether you knew this or not, you guys caused a little bit of a stir from the mm. podcast last week. Uh, at least I got a lot of feedback on it um, for you both definitively declaring that Kevin Durant is a better player than Steph Curry. Ooh. Do you guys even remember doing that? <laughs> well, I... Well, first off, let's introduce our man in Dallas, Ban McMahon. The mm-hmm. rare time when he's home. Mr. McMahon. How um, So this is a nuanced thing, Jackie. Do I think that Kevin yes, Durant is. is a better player than Steph? Yes, I do. Do I mm-hmm. think that Steph Curry is a transformational player, the likes of which the league has never seen before? Yes, I do. And I wrote a story to that effect a couple of weeks ago, and I hate to sound uh, like a callback. By the way, Andrew Hahn, um, I listened back to the podcast on um, on Monday, and our man uh, Bon Temps referenced things that he'd written like four different times, including from like six or eight months ago. He's that's right back he's to work. Click clack. Click that's what that's clickety what clack. He yep. Just so, but anyway, I, a couple of weeks ago, I wrote this story where I quoted Steve Nash and Scottie Pippen, where I talked about uh, Steph Curry's place in history. Um, so while I, I do believe that Kevin Durant is right there neck and neck with LeBron as the best player in the league, it's in no means a slight to Steph Curry. But Jackie, go ahead. Well, that's why I'm giving you the chance to say all that, just to straighten everybody out. Boy, did I just hear about it. I was places. I don't know where I was, but I kept hearing it from fans. And, um, and then I actually had a great conversation with the great Nick Nurse before the Celtics uh, beat he is him a in good overtime. Guy. He's such a... Such a delightful person, and by the way, a loyal listener to the Hoop Podcast, although I was a little distraught to hear that he listens to it before he falls asleep at night. <laughs> so I hope we're not what puts him to bed, but anyway, but I, you know, he, we, we talked about it for a second, and you know, it, it is all about context, of course, but I just, I'm glad that you just said what you said, because I think well, that's going to make I, I think KD, better. I think KD is, a, is definitely a more talented player. Um, but, you know, we're doing this little five-on-five, and it's the super early, premature, I guess, 20% of the way into the season awards edition. And I've got Steph as the MVP. I think Steph is the most valuable player in the league to this point this season. And certainly you see the way that the Warriors have fallen apart without him. But in, in terms of talent, I mean, the simple difference in size, to me, makes KD a, a more unique talent. Right. No, no, this is all true. Just uh, just giving you guys some feedback. And um and Well, I hope you always follow it up with a, with a thanks for listening. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Um but here's what I would I, let, let's try this on for size and we don't need to talk about this for the whole podcast, but uh how about that maybe Kevin Durant is the more talented player but that Steph Curry is a more valuable teammate. Oh, no question. I I would agree with that. But these are all shades of gray and nuance that don't fit hot take arguments. Are. And I don't, of I don't think, I don't think they, it was said in, in hot take 
manner. It's not really the way we roll. No, but you know, right? but you know how that goes. That you know how that goes. So there you go. We've set the record straight. We may now can. Or or Steph Curry's just the better player. I'm just saying. That could also be. There, there's, you could certainly make a case. How many Finals MVPs does Steph have, though? Uh, I mean, uh, that's I, I, those that, awards that, are that, that, there, awards hot arbitrary. There's your hot take for the day. But, no, when it comes to KD, I do think we should just shut the bleep up and watch the bleeping game. Tom Haverstrow, who now works for NBC, he had a story. Um, and, I mean, this is a circumstantial framing of the story, but it it's relevant, and certainly it's not something that I thought about. But you remember um, when Durant hurt his uh, knee in 2016 and the, yes. um, and, and the Warriors went on a 13-game win streak? Because they're the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Well, he says he's done the research and he now says that, and this is coming off a, a section here where the Warriors, this is a very well positioned story in the news cycle because the Warriors, I believe, have lost four or five without uh, Steph. Um, granted, Draymond is also hurt, but just setting up before this stat, the Warriors have won 21 consecutive games where Steph has played and Kevin Durant has not. Wow. Um, and interesting. You know, it's easy to remember that they went. It's easy to forget, I should say, that they went seventy-three and nine with uh, you know a Steph Curry unanimous-backed MVP team. You know, two years ago when they lost the finals. Now, what I will say that Durant gives them is an absolutely indefensible uh, team, and the ability to have an MVP in reserve. Their um, their margin for error for victory, especially in a playoff setting, is just preposterous with Durant and Curry. But it could be said that the way the team was constructed was more constructed around Steph as the centerpiece of the team as opposed to around Durant as the centerpiece of the team. Um, but like I said, it is a nuanced argument. Um, but we've talked about the Warriors a lot this week. Is there anything, McMahon, you have else yeah. to say that, that Jackie I'm, can be uh, can be accosted by fans for the next I week? Mean, I mean, I, I just want to add in that I did watch Harrison Barnes shut KD down in the fourth quarter of a Mavericks win over the Warriors, you know. That mention on Twitter got some Warriors fans all hot and bothered with me. All I said is... KD missed seven of his last eight shots, and and Barnes played really good defense on him. But now, I you know the 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 meltdown of KD mentally. They, he is, had some good looks down the stretch that he just missed. Also, I will just point that out. Uh, Clay Thompson but, had some really good looks that he just missed, and 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 it's that's that's really you know I obviously gets lost in all the drama there. But you know Clay Thompson not really playing well has has been puzzling. But uh, no, the Warriors are a good old fashioned mess right now, and and I thought Steve Kerr's take on it was pretty. No, they're not a mess. Uh, they're okay. They're, oh no, they're just no, fine. they're fine. Uh, I mean, they'll be fine. They're, they're, and you know I'll, what? I'll still take them against the field, but they, as of right now, this minute, they are an absolute mess. But I think the I don't think I would call Clay Thompson's struggles puzzling because he benefits more than anyone from having Steph Curry on the floor. More than anybody. More than KD. More than anybody. Clay Thompson is in such a perfect spot, such a perfect spot. You know, he doesn't, he, he benefits, he, he doesn't have an ego where he needs adulation. I mean, I'm sure he'd like to have more, but he's in, he's in one of the most dream spots in the league. Um, I do want to talk about, uh, Markel Fultz. Um, Jackie, have you ever seen anything like this? I know. With no, this sort of no, no. injury, and, not injury. And, it, it, and I'm going to just tread so lightly here. I don't think he needs to see a shoulder specialist. And I've said this before. I think there's something else going on that has to do right. with um, his mental health. And, 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 and I don't think that's a horrible thing to say. Um, and I, uh, it's just, this is an odd story. It, you know, it, it felt a little bit like Kawhi Leonard to me, like for just a minute, a mini second there, doesn't it? A little bit. Well, minus the, the minus a, the, the actual getting production. Involved. <laughs> well, of course, but I'm talking about the idea that there's an injury that the team 
and the player allegedly or yeah, I, I want to say a, allegedly because 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 Brett Brown was taken obviously taken aback by this, right? Well, and, and so he Brett Brown, Elton Brand, I mean, they didn't see it coming, and and Fultz apparently re-injured his shoulder when he fell down the depth chart, as best I could tell. <laughs> Yeah. It was a, it was a sudden so fast drop to out of the rotation. Yeah, um, and, that's a funny line, yeah. but I mean, what Jackie is saying is, um, you know, Jackie, I go back to uh, Chuck Knobloch, Steve Sachs sort of yeah. stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, sure. is, is there another example? We're saying the same. Um, the, I mean, you see it in the NFL kickers. It, it's absolutely the yips, and you saw the. I mean, just a really painful, grinding hitch in his free throws. And then I was actually there uh, in Philly when, when Utah came through, and his solution was patting the ball back and forth from hand to hand on the way up to shoot his free throws. Just because, I mean, he is at a point where he does not want, even on free throws, to have the ball in his hands in any kind of normal shooting motion. And obviously, you know, that's not a – it's – it's not a shoulder, and I don't even know if I don't even know if you know putting a shoulder uh, injury out there. I don't. I don't think that's doing him any favors. I don't think there's anybody in the world who believes that. But it's interesting because sometimes you'll see him, and you know he'll he'll like you know shoot these pull up jumpers where he looks really smooth. But it's like the longer he has the ball in his hands, the more time he has to think, the worse it looks. Yeah, he said that one of the I, foul I just, lines slipped. Yeah. That's such a strange. I mean, what, what, I mean, I'm trying to put myself in his shoes. What's he gonna say? It was terrible. I just feel for this kid. I just feel for this kid. But I did think, for the Sixers, somewhat alarming that Raymond Brothers is now referring to himself as his attorney. Yeah, that was that was He's odd his agent. as well. So, so that so did that suggest to me that. You know, maybe there there is there some legal recourse here. Is he, um, you know, going to leave the team, and they're going to tell him you can't leave the team? Is this going to end up as a, a union battle? And then, you know, he said his agent said or his attorney, you know, he's not going to practice. He's not going to play till he sees a specialist. And then he practiced. He shut out shut out yesterday, right? He was at practice. Well, I will say this: I don't think it, it's interesting that you bring that up, Jackie. Raymond Brothers is an attorney. Um, well, of course he is, but whoever right, calls no, him an attorney, yeah. <laughs> right? That's true. I just want to be clear. No, I mean, there, um, I, I think there's something going on there, though. Am I? I, I really do. I think that I know. I just without giving away his email address, his email address is something along the lines of, you know, attorney, MBA attorney guy. Um, right, but but like, our, but R. E. Begley and David Aldridge and several others referred to him as his attorney, not his agent. And that's right. a departure. That's right. That's all I'm so, saying. So I, I have one comment and then a question. So I have not been around the Sixers uh, this year at all. But the people who I have talked to who have been around them have told me the one thing that you take away from talking to the Sixers, whether it's management, coaching staff, or the players, is their unwavering support for Markel Fultz. Um, yes, That's absolutely. not always – not always the case in other dif- difficult scenarios where you know right. you see you see a little bit of a, a variance um, from what I understand and you know my belief is is that they genuinely like the like the guy like they they really want him to be successful a lot. they a lot you know it's, yeah a lot and you know Brian the last time I was with the sixers and it was a while ago now but when I was talking to Joel. Um, we talked about Markel a lot, um, and we were just talking. We I wasn't interviewing him, and uh, he's like, "Don't worry, I got his, I got his box, I got his box," and uh, and he's not the only one. You know, McConnell is cutting into his time. Those guys are friends. There's there's no um, animosity here, but but doesn't this is why it feels a little bit to me like Kawhi Leonard? Like I don't recall ever hearing about animosity between Kawhi and his teammates until much later when Tony Parker chimed in with the fact that he had the same injury. But up till that point, I mean, by then we were months into it. Initially, everybody supported Kawhi as well. No, I mean there was no. Well, that's there was no, well. That brings uh, me to my question. Split there either. And I don't. And I just want to be clear. I don't have any basis for saying this. I just I have the question. 
Does Markel Fultz play for the Sixers again? I mean, I mean, how how does he not? I would. <laughs> where if he doesn't play for them, who does he play for? Right, That's like probably where, a better where, question. Well, I'm just saying that, like, what, what's the his Sixers value right now? Because the Sixers are well known for their conservative nature when it comes to injuries. Injury. I don't. Yes, know, it's not. It's not my shoulder. Okay, so I, I, this is one of the lessons I've learned over the years covering the NBA. You gotta be very careful, but it's not my shoulder, so I can't say he's okay. I don't know, but the Sixers clearly have got this. This guy is cleared to play, and he was cleared to play last year when he went away for his injury, and they expressed surprise that he was being deemed as potentially having a shoulder injury now, which leads me to believe that there's a completely different page that. Markell and his attorney agent are on and the Sixers organization. And also, uh, they seem to have made the decision, although it's far from a permanent decision, but Brett Brown kind of crossed the Rubicon the other night when he didn't play him in the second half of a game against the Suns. He played TJ McConnell ahead of him. And after the game, when he was asked, does this mean Markell is not in the rotation anymore. And Brett Brown basically said, I can't promise anything. And so what basically looked like to me is, you know, (laughs) they sort of kind of came to a decision here, whether it was, you know, a definitive decision or whether it was just de facto that they're going to, they have to move away from worrying about Markell and they've got to worry about winning games because of where they are in the season now and what's happening now that they've traded for Jimmy Butler, which is a perfectly fine decision if you ask me but if there are if they're on a different page about his actual health be it physical or uh, mental and they're on a and clearly Fultz might see being harmed by not playing and being out of the lineup uh, out of the rotation and all of a sudden that happens once and all of a sudden he's gone from the team i think it's a it's i don't i don't know if it's Serious, but I think it's a question that should that could be asked is if he plays again. And I maybe I'm off base. Maybe it's not a good question, but I I found myself asking it. Well, I, I think it is a fair question, and it's not. You know, the, I would say this. I don't think anybody is questioning how the Sixers have handled this. I haven't heard anybody question it. At, to your point, the players have been public supportive. Brett Brown is, you know, bent over backwards, put him in the starting lineup, but we all knew that wasn't a really a very good idea for the team as a whole, but was good for this one young player to try to get him back into the thick of things. So whatever happens with Markel Fultz, we're all going to be looking at him, not the Sixers. Well, maybe I should speak for myself. At least that's well, actually, how I see it. I don't I, think the, the, the Sixers I, 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 have aired here. I do question how the Sixers have handled it, and I, I, the reason I say that is because I think that they were so worried about pumping up his confidence that they put themselves in a bad spot. He didn't belong in the starting lineup. They, they, and, you know, they've traded a couple guys now, but they took apart what was plus minus wise the best starting lineup in the NBA just to try to pump his confidence up. And then by the end of the preseason, it was so clear that that was a poor fit that they went to the awkward, well, he's a starter, but not in the second half type of thing. And then they made the trade. It's like, well, oh, man, we really can't start him now. And now he falls out of the rotation. I, th- I think they did themselves, they put themselves in a really bad spot by putting him in the, in the starting lineup in the first place. Um, okay, but, but that's, yeah. all, that's all fine. But how is that detrimental to Markel Fultz? They gave him every but, opportunity. See what I'm saying yeah, here? Because, I'm because not talking come- about whether they should have done for their team. Well, well, so will you don't play him, or what do you do? No, I I think they put themselves in a spot where they were going to have to demote him, and I, you know hindsight's twenty twenty, and so it's easy for me to you know lay on my couch and say this, but uh, I I think they should have pumped him up as a as a super sub, as a oh, wow, this guy can be one one of the really special sixth uh, six men in the league this year type of things. Um, just because, I mean, you just, it wasn't, it wasn't a mystery. You knew putting two non-shooters in a starting backcourt together was a recipe for, for yuck. And so, 
I, you know, I, I just feel like putting themselves in a position where they had to, uh, you know, w- what would be perceived as demoting him, uh, I think that was detrimental to him. I just we're we're starting to pick up quite a bit of uh, NBA guys in exile, right? Because we've got mm-hmm. we've got Carmelo, it's crazy. He uh, we got Jr. Smith who went to exile yeah. yesterday. And by right. the way, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about Jr. Smith on this podcast, but Jr. Smith could not play, might not play again this year because his contract is designed in such a way that it makes it, in my mind, very unlikely for the Cavs to buy him out. Now, you never say never. Right. Um, but I think the better, ch- you know, it's a better chance J.R. Smith will get traded and play elsewhere or reconcile in some way and come back and play for the Cavs in a couple of months or a couple of weeks, probably months, than it is he gets bought out. And I won't go into all the details unless you really want me to. But... Um, no, I, I read We've your got, story and it was a good one. But I just, do you think the problem is like, if you're a team, what possible motive do you have to take on J.R. Smith? Let's be really brutally honest. Well, I mean, not when he's shooting 32% from three point range like he has exactly. been this year, but, you know, the, he and actually came been, in. You know, he's been a malcontent. He's been a malcontent, yeah. though. Brian, he's a yes. guy that's a, a wild card that always had LeBron, or so the, the so the narrative goes, which may or be true or untrue. Always had LeBron there to kind of rein him in when he needed to. So I just don't know uh, what the market is for a guy like J.R. Smith. Now, now I will say this: it's clear to me that the Cleveland Cavaliers were not very honest with their veterans, and I'm going to guess that includes Kevin Love, who's been away from the team while he's rehabbing his So sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I, excuse me. But, you know, so to me it just seems like there's something there that there's a disconnect there. Uh, you know, promises were made or, or assurances perhaps that haven't come to pass. I don't. You can probably tell me better, Brian. Well, here's what I would say. I think that the veteran players believe they were misled which maybe at the end of yes. the day is all that matters. I don't think that mm-hmm. they were actually misled because you know you have to understand the ego of Dan Gilbert. Um, and unless you work for him or played for him, you may not understand that ego. Dan genuinely, I honestly believe, thought that this was going to be a, a playoff, a chance mm-hmm. to make a playoff. And I think he would never say this, and I am not saying that I know this to be true. This is my feel on the matter. But my feel is that Dan would have loved to have made the playoffs with this team and, Le- and LeBron and the Lakers to have missed the playoffs, and that would have been a tremendous way for him to sort of get some measure of revenge. And if you know Dan Gilbert and the way he operates, this is how he thinks. I can't say for sure that's how he thought. Um, so when they – decided to switch uh, gears, which was messy. That's a genuine mess because they had to fire the coach because the coach refused to do it, essentially. The coach was basically challenging the general manager, and he was saying, I'm going to play who I want, and the coach got fired because of it. Um, yeah, and he's getting now paid the veterans, for him. He's better off. For sure, for sure, and that's the way he feels. But um, – I honestly think that they thought Colin Sexton was going to be like a really good positive impact. And, and what we've seen from Colin Sexton is he has moments, but he is your prototypical 19-year-old rookie point guard. He, he makes a lot of mistakes, and it, there are times when he has no clue what he's doing out there, and there are occasional times when he looks really good. But it's not a, it's not a way to build a playoff team is to have that guy you know, play 35 minutes, which is why Ty Lue was not playing in 35 minutes. But I honestly believe that they did – they were looking to win, and they just completely misjudged their team, and then Love got hurt. And I will say this, no matter what anybody wants to say, if you're going to tank, it's better to decide to tank in the second week of the season than it is in the 20th week of the season. And looking at these kids from Duke, and also the fact that um, uh, that the Cavs draft pick is top 10 protected, um, the absolute correct decision is to tank. And George Hill and J.R. Smith and Kevin Love have a choice to make. They are all making a ton of money. Their choice is to be professionals or to not and wait for things to change. And J.R. elected to 
speak out and make his feelings known. And now he is no longer with the team. Now we'll see what happens with Love and George Hill and Channing Fry and Kyle Korver. Um, but that's sort of where it is now. I don't know if there needs to be a whole lot more said. It sort I mean, of sounds like uh, they failed to factor in Gilbert's id more than his ego, Brian. But uh, what were you saying about about exiles and pariahs? I want to I want to get back to that. Well, so, so count these count these with me. We've got. I mean, do we put Fultz in exile right now? I don't know. He's not a pariah, yeah. but is is he's, he in exile? He's he according to his attorney slash agent. He he wants to be self imposed. Yes. Carmelo is in exile. Jr. is in that? exile. We've got Jabari Bird in Boston. I don't know. Jackie, what you would term that? He's dealing with legal issue and in exile. Yeah, yeah, he's in exile. Um, but he he might be in permanent exile. He's looking at you know some very right. serious charges. Uh, Jody Meeks, um, in the middle of a long suspension and in exile. I don't know if he'll play again uh, after what's happened with him. So, we, am I forgetting anybody? Is there more? Check back next. Well, some of them, some of them have been settled. The the Joakim Noel one got settled. Lou Aldings, long, weird. Yeah, but he's but where's Joakim Noah playing? I must have missed it. Yeah, I hear you. where's he well, playing though? Mark Stein you know reported I mean? he was cl- was close to signing with the Grizzlies, but that has not happened. No, it hasn't so, happened. Is um, my point. So I think we have to still officially call him in in exile, right? Like Lou yeah, Aldang was in the worst. But kind he's of in exile, exile. not on a roster. Still there, yeah. right? That's right. Yeah, but so that's the same thing as. But that's the same thing as Carmelo. Carmelo is in exile, not on a roster, right? No, he's on a roster. He's, Carmelo, he has not been Carmelo's waived. On he a is. Roster. He is listed as not. So they still haven't waived him. No, they have I agreed. They took care they, of that. No, they have. They have announced that they will be parting ways, but they have not officially waived him yet. Oh, they still he haven't played, done it. Okay, that's my no, bad. He, he, okay. has, he has played his that. last game with the Rockets, but he's still technically on the roster. Which is, hey, what about know, uh, Swaggy strange. P? Is he in exile? Swaggy P? Where's no, Swaggy P? he's just out of a job. He's out of a job. All right, so so that to um, me is exile if I'm Swaggy P, man. <laughs> that's, I'm sure it feels like it. Um, right? So... Uh, McMahon, um, before I talk about this Cavs-Laker game, um, we've talked a lot about the sophomore slumps in Boston, or I guess mm-hmm. maybe uh, Jalen Brown's a junior now. By the way, Jackie, our real plus-minus, we talked about the Celtics on Monday, so I don't really want to go ahead and nauseam okay. here, even though I've got the preeminent Celtics expert. But the real plus-minus, which is a complicated metric, but something that I think is interesting, that... Andrew, how would you best describe what real plus minus is? Real plus minus is a metric that gets better over time. Um, it takes into account everyone that you play with and, and adjusts for that. Right. So theoretically, it is a more accurate uh, indicator of a player's individual opponents adjusted for pace of play, adjusted for team, uh, strength of schedule, opponent teammates that are with them on the floor so just can i just tell you in real plus minus because you know they've just come out for this year yes it takes a little did while you, you need to play a few yes. games did you see where my boy was did you see where my boy was pascal siakam pascal. number 19 number 19 so i'm gonna say How about martin on, gasol baby. where was number he? one yeah number one? Martin gasol and by the way that's where the grizzlies are in the western conference i want to say again because we've got a holiday weekend coming up um you know Jackie did this piece on Pascal Siakam and his roots in Cameroon. Just Google Jackie McMullen and Pascal Siakam and find the story um, if you want to. We're going to repost it, it. Jackie, it came We're out in the summer, it. right? It was it was kind of like um, no, you know, it no, didn't. You know when it you know when it came out, Brian? This is when it came out. When I was lying on my back, unable to sit up with three herniated discs, uh, and the the Raptors were down three to one. In the playoffs. I missed And they it, decided Jackie. to run it. The Well, of course you did, because they decided to run it game five of a Toronto Raptors series that they were going to lose, which they promptly did. I think it was on the site maybe a total of five hours, if that. Well, but it's on the site But they're reposting it for all access day. They're going to they're gonna repost it. 
Okay, um, so that's uh, December day with the Raptors. December fifth, I think Isn't we have it? an all access day coming up with the Raptors. Uh, yeah. On yes, so but anyway, posted. I got to write a new top. Anyway, continue. But he's just you my can guy. find my you can find it now if you want because it's out there. Yeah, anyway, my point was Jalen Brown's uh, real plus minus. Did you see it? Mm-hmm. I didn't. It's like it's like four seventeen four one seven. Oh jeez! Wow, but. Right. All right. What I wanted to get to was McMahon. Speaking of sophomore slumps, mm-hmm. your guy Spider Mitchell. Yeah. Now, uh, Spider Mitchell had a game this last week. They they just came off a, a four game Eastern Conference trip. It was a real up and down trip for them. They won in Boston. They lost. They had another, well, it wasn't all East because it, it started. They won in Memphis. They lost by great 50, win. Fifty. Right. In Dallas, and I had to watch that debacle. Uh, They lost a good game in Philly that I was also attended, and that was when he had the rare 35 shot zero. Well, that's what I'm going to get to. And then they beat Boston and get spanked by the Pacers. So a a long, strange trip for the Jazz, and it's been a strange season. And, uh, you know, a lot of it is Donovan Mitchell has been so. Did you see how many shots Donovan Mitchell took? In Wash in uh, Indiana the other night, yeah, not very many at all. He took eight, and so that's mm-hmm. and and it was very interesting because so a thirty-five shot zero assist performance. That's Kobe Bryant land right there. Well, n- never did it. Kobe would never have did it. Assist. Is that never right? Never did it. Never did it. Allen Iverson, who was sitting courtside that night, never did it. The only <laughs> oh active, God. the only other <laughs> active player who had ever done it. The only other active guy who had ever hold done on, it. don't 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 say. Let's Jackie. Let's guess. Okay. Who who, who would have and been by the way? Other thanks for guy. reading. Thanks for reading because this was mentioned prominently in my story that night. But go on. I apologize. Uh, I saw wow. the quotes that he had in your story. Yeah, and I have to um, read his words, not mine. Because I, that's right. I have to disqualify myself because I did read the story. Thank you, Jackie. So that okay, uh, Wendy, you illiterate. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. There's not that many guys who. Well, and uh, the only could even take active, shots. The only active player with an asterisk on active, I guess. Kyrie. You say. Was it Kyrie? No. Nope. No, it wasn't. But good guess. That's a fair guess. I just gave you a great hint. Active, active. with an asterisk on active. Oh, mellow. And that was mellow. That was mellow's sixty-two point performance. The last guy before Mello uh, to go 35-plus shots, no assists, was Antoine Walker in 1998. I, I can see that. You know, the, Jackie, the last, Jackie, kid. Jackie, do you remember <laughs> World Be Free? Of course I do. Philadelphia. Okay. World uh, Be Free! Well, okay, I would say Cleveland. Say. I would say Cleveland. But um, oh, come he on, was... Man. He, my dad used to say, "World be free." Used to get three shots up from the scorers table when he was about to check in. Um, <laughs> yeah, he but was I the always, best. Well, first of all, he's the big, big, best nickname in history. I mean, really, come on, that's one of the greatest. Well, he changed ever. his. That he changed, changed his, his name. Yeah, he changed he was his Lloyd name. Free. Yeah. So, yes, he was, um, but world be. Yeah. So um, Terry Pluto, who was one of my inspirations, he covered the Cavs in the eighties. Um, he told me this great "World Be Free" story about getting shots up. And um, he said that one time after a game uh, that World told World said to him, he goes, you know, Terry, it's really hard to average 20. And Terry says, points? He goes, no, shots. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard. It's That's hard right. to get up a lot of shots. Um, so anyway, a long story sh- to back to McMahon. McMahon, what's going on with Spider Mitchell? Well, you know, that, that was really interesting because he was – Hard on himself, and he, and he tends to be hard on himself. And he, you know, he looks at the stat sheet, and he's he's embarrassed. You know, he's like, that can't happen. Thirty five shots, no assists. I, I I cannot do that. This can never happen again. And you know, it's not that the Jazz are encouraging him to get up thirty five shots, but the least, the last thing they want him to do is to tone down his aggressiveness, is to go in, you know, playing hesitant. I mean, they need him. To, to be, he, he's really their only creator. You know, the only guy that can get his own shot, unless you want to count Alec Burks uh, off the bench. And so, you know, Quinn Snyder emphasized, look, 
we, we don't want him worried about the quantity of his shots. We want him, you know, focused on making the right reads and, and we can live with, with the results. And, you know, there's going to be some growing pains. There's going to be some mistakes. But the only way that he learns and grows is if he's attacking and if he's aggressive. And Joe Ingles was saying the same thing, Rudy Gobert. So, you know, he has the support. But, you know, Donovan is a guy who holds himself to really high standards and, and has admitted uh, this year, there are times when he gets a little too much in his own head. Now he he bounced back and had a really good performance the next night in Boston. Uh, right, I think he had right. twenty eight. It was like ten of twenty one, so you know, pretty efficient, six assists. But then, and I did, I'll, I'll admit, I didn't get to watch the Jazz Indiana game, and it was a blowout, so I didn't want to go back and and watch it. To be honest with you, um, so I don't know why. Like I don't know what happened there to. To, to make it so where he only, what did you say, it was eight field goal attempts? But they're not going to win games with him taking eight shots. That's just not going to happen. You and, know what, they're not going to win with him taking 31 either, though, Tim, right? Do we agree or 35. On that? No, I, 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 no, I hear you. Yeah. But it, the funny thing is they actually had a really good chance to win that, and he, was, he wasn't efficient that night. He was 13 to 31. Um, and at one point he, he started out like one of nine, and was six, I want to say six of 20 in the first half. But then at one point in the fourth quarter, he got it going. He got it going early in the fourth quarter. And, and I will say this, uh, last year there, there were several times where it's like, man, you know, he, he's struggling, he's struggling. And then next thing you know, he scores 20 points in the fourth quarter. You know, he goes on one of these flurries. He is capable of these insane scoring flurries, and, and he's capable of, of in-game amnesia, which I think is a critical uh, Where's his real plus minus right now? I have not. I have not. Who, Donovan Mitchell? That. Yeah, I don't have. You my, know, I'm going th- while we're sitting here. I'm going through some of the real plus minuses that I think would surprise you, or maybe not. Maybe not. But like my but, uh, my other guy, I love Shea Gilgis Alexander, 362nd. By the way, just saying. Huh. I'm sorry, McMahon. I did want to derail you. Sorry. Go ahead. You said he oh, had, totally. he, he has amnesia. Yeah, in game amnesia, but. Uh, and so I, I thought I'm sitting there watching that fourth quarter, and you know I'm thinking, wow, you know he's going to have been rough all game long, and he's going to close it out, and and they're going to win this game. And then he, you know, he was he got cold, and I think missed his last four shots. I also, I think in that game in particular, um, and you know I don't know that he would admit this, but I do think he got a little, maybe a little caught up in the Ben Simmons versus Donovan Mitchell hype. And he was getting mm. booed every time he touched the ball. I made a joke about the the, the Phillies fans would you know boo everybody, including Santa. And my mentions went to hell that night on Twitter. <laughs> um. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I did see that tweet. And I was watching the game, actually, and I saw him get booed. And I was like, I picked it up midway through the game. And I was like, did he flagrant foul somebody no, no, or no. something that's, that's, in this game? That's all, like I didn't. Rookie, I, yeah, I know, but I didn't even make the connection. I didn't no, even so make he the, was yeah, getting, it seems he, like he a got, million years ago, you know. Right, and it, it was it was such a it was actually a really it was an awesome atmosphere because you had that was kind of an undercard. Uh, Allen Iverson's ringing the bell. You know, the pregame's crazy. It's Jimmy Butler's home debut uh, right. in Philly. Jimmy Butler was awesome in that game, and he. He had the bat or the, the layup to seal it, but he was like 12 of 15 from the floor. Seven assists was just unbelievable. But I think Donovan got a little caught up in – and maybe it wasn't even so much the Ben Simmons versus Donovan Mitchell as much as it was kind of Donovan Mitchell versus Philly. I mean, the, that crowd was on him the entire game. I remember when he uh, – like I said, he started 1-9, then he got a couple of quick buckets, and, there, and Philly called a timeout, and he's barking back at the crowd. So – he he might have got a little caught up there, but he is uh, and really Donovan Mitchell is you know obviously kind of the headliner, but the Jazz as a whole, this is a team I certainly thought they were going to be one of the best teams in the Western Conference. You know they finished last year with that twenty nine and six run. They bring bring back basically the entire team minus Jonas Jerebko, who <laughs> had a tip in to beat them in the second game of the season. But uh, and and they've you know they're a game under five hundred. They've gotten off to this really uneven start. There's been no, you know, that continuity has not resulted in any kind of momentum to start the season. Rubio's struggling with his shot big time, and that was a very underrated part 
of their great finish last year is Rubio really shot the ball well. Um, and, and the Jazz are just kind of in a weird spot, and, and certainly Donovan is, is uh, you know, the, the headliner on that team. He's not their most valuable player. It's still Rudy Gobert, but Donovan's the guy who has the, the most sizzle and, you know, gets the most attention. And he just hasn't, that rookie, great rookie season and great playoffs hadn't been a springboard. And, you know, in his defense, he did spend a lot of the summer with a uh, protective boot on his foot to deal with that injury that he had that, that uh, ended his, his last playoff game. Um, I just want to so clean I... this little bit up that Donovan Mitchell is currently 51st in RPM. First. I just pretty found good. It. Yeah, yep. one pretty good. 1.74, very respectable. Eight, eighth among shooting guards. Victor Oladipo, number one. Jimmy Butler, two. Danny Green, three. Josh Richardson, four. DeMar DeRozan, five. Wow, look at that five. Danny Green. Gary Harris, number. six. Yeah, Derek, Gary Harris, six. Josh Hart, seven. And Donovan Mitchell, wow. eight. Wow, With Evan Josh Fournier, a distant ninth. Evan Fournier, you know, a distant ninth. And, you know, I thought, I mean, when the game I saw, Danny Green got filed out of that game uh, on a very, very, very questionable call. And at the end of the game, Nick Nurse was just talking about how Without Danny Green, it's a killer for them. That's how important he's become to their team. Well, the thing about Danny Green is, you know, his his numbers, his defensive numbers suffered last year, and um, it was like, boy, is Danny Green kind of maybe going? Is he crossed? Right. You know, and then he revealed that he was hurt. You know, he had mm-hmm. played through an injury, right. and he even, and I, I don't have the story right in front of me, but he even kind of implied that it was either mistreated or underdiagnosed. I don't exactly Man. know, but so weird, um, right? So weird. But now he's healthy. His defensive numbers, Brian. And uh, Brian, his defensive numbers according to our real plus minus are better than his offensive numbers. Right. Um um uh and his and so and he had a game winner the other night. They ran I, I don't know if they ran that or it was last night, I guess. I, I didn't see that game. I was traveling. Uh, I just saw the replay. I don't know if they ran that play for him. It kind of looked like they did. Uh, I can't believe that it was, but the, he ended up with this really good look on the baseline. But um, he's been huge for them. And when you talk to people around the Raptors, they will say that from a spiritual standpoint in the locker room, he's been invaluable. Um, and yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're in love. with That was no throw in. They are thrilled with Danny Green, in addition, obviously, to Kawhi. Um, but okay, you know, Donovan Mitchell, if he's, he's struggling and he says he's embarrassed and he's 51, it's not that bad. But, but right, man, but, why but, do you think? But they were hoping he'd be, you know, and, and certainly I think a lot of people anticipated he'd be a top 20 player in the league. And his, his field goal percentage is hovering in the low 40s. Um, and, and I still think that the Jazz are going to be fine. I think they're going to end up being right in the thick of the West playoff pack. And, and I think there's going to be, a time, I don't know when it's coming, but Donovan Mitchell, I do think, is going to, things are going to click, and he's going to get one of these extended grooves, but it hadn't happened yet. Uh, Brian, can I ask you something? Yes. Uh, although I shouldn't say that because You just Rachel, did. Yeah, Rachel just, she chastised me for asking if I can ask a question. Anyways, now that I've extended that, uh, another guy that you were very high on, Jason Tatum, would you say he has mm-hmm. a higher or lower RPM than Donovan Mitchell? right now lower he's still pretty good he's I, I you know he's having an okay season he just isn't performing at the same level that we expected him but his efficiency is down yeah he's um, scoring he's still scoring uh probably higher i'd say probably higher okay uh Could jackie do you know yeah. I don't know. She's looking at and so I would say, say lower. I'm trying to look. I can't okay. look as fast as I want to. I'm going to say lower so, as I look. Tatum is currently 105 in yeah, real plus minus. Lower. And to, to a, a different point, uh, McMahon just described the Jazz as kind of a weird situation right now. Brian, I want to relitigate this point from a few weeks back. Isn't this a weird season right now? <laughs> No, it's not a weird season. It's an NBA season. There's ebbs and flows. Say, I, feel like, yeah, I feel like every NBA season is weird. Uh, there's, it just seems right. like there's so much Tim. more uncertainty right now. It's the people that you expected to take a step forward mm. aren't doing that. But there's that's the NBA. That's what happens. That's it, how that it hasn't works. That is the NBA. 
It, it just hasn't then, been that well, for go the back past and look, though. Like, I tell people all the time, go back and look what the Celtics record was at Christmas last year. It's not much different than it is now. Well, I know the and Jazz record up, was hell, was bad. Yeah, the Jazz are the one point one nine games sort of five hundred in, sort of in mid point. to late January. Right. So I don't know the Celtics though. Was it nine it's, games it's under five hundred? Wow. Yeah, they they were nine games under five hundred on on January twenty fourth, and then went twenty nine and six. The Celtics is just I, I I thought they were clearly the class of the Eastern Conference, and you know obviously Gordon Hayward is is still trying to work his way back in anything resembling his pre-injury form. But I don't know. Is that one of those things where they have too many pieces for the sum of the parts to be greater than the whole? I I just can't believe that. Well, Jackie, Um, what do you make of this Terry Rozier tweet? Did you, you, I'm asking Jackie about a tweet. I'm asking Jackie about a tweet. No, but usually, but usually I see them, but I haven't, what did it say? McMahon, did you see it? It was vague enough where people thought like he was trying to get his way out of there or something, but he says that's not it. Let's do us yeah. all a favor. All was in caps. I, I mean, now, we're recording this podcast on Wednesday morning. It's possible he has given an interview this morning while we're doing this, so we may be a little bit news lagged. He is not having a very good year, and obviously, since Kyrie is back, he's not playing as much. His shots are down from where he was when he was starting. Um, I mean, do yeah. you think that's a, I mean, he didn't get a contract extension, which wasn't that big of a surprise to me, Jackie, in all honesty, because he's no, a backup no, no. for the Celtics they, right they, now. You, you, by the way, they, they tried. I mean, you know, they talked to him. It was like, it wasn't yes. like they didn't even yes. attempt it, but it's just, we all understand the parameters of here. They, when they re-signed smart, that was bad news for him, you know? And that's just the way that's just, you know, so anyway, I think, um, when I, want, when I think about Terry Rozier, that's the one I can almost explain. Terry Rozier really flourished when he got a lot of minutes. It's really that simple. Some people, when they have limited minutes, their mindset changes. And I think Terry's one of them, and I think he's working on that. You know, I think that um, when, when he was handed the keys, because he had to be, he had some freedom to make mistakes, but to also make things happen. So that I understand. Jalen Brown, is, it's confounding to me. Mm-hmm. confounding to me what is happening there. I don't understand it. Uh, Jason Tatum, I think we can ag- now all agree, maybe got a little ahead of himself, got some great endorsements. He's a fantastic player. I still think he, you know, he's going to be a terrific, terrific player. Uh, but he, you know, he's fallen in love with the long two, which is the worst thing that you can happen in the NBA. He, he holds the ball too long, a little too much ISO, and those are things they're talking to him about, and those are things that can be fixed. So I'm not worried about him. You know, Gordon Hayward, maybe it's going to take a whole year. As one um, all-star point guard said to me just a few nights ago, don't expect this dude to be all right this year. It takes a whole year. Everyone should just be patient with this poor guy. Maybe he knows something we all don't. So uh, anyway, it's it's a little concerning, um, but it's still still early. Yes, I, I agree. I mean, but I will say this. Terry Rozier is a guy who is... I can I I feel his anxiety about his payday. I feel it. I can understand and that too. And he did, but but Brian Marcus Smart thought he was going to get more. He didn't because we and we all knew it. You and I, all three of us, all talked about it that he wouldn't get more. Right. And this, I feel the same right. way about Terry Rozier. GMs and coaches, he is struggling a little bit this year, but I think they can compartmentalize why he's struggling, understand why he is, and and I don't think it slays your free agency status. I just don't believe that because I think the GMs and the coaches in this league are too smart for that. Um, yeah, we'll see. I just it's you know just put it on the board and keep an eye on it. Um, so I'm at this Cavs Lakers game. You guys, let me just ask you just a little quick poll here. Do you guys care about this at all? Do you care about LeBron going back to Cleveland again? Not one, not one iota. Not one I have iota. some curiosity. Kevin Love is out. J.R. Smith is gone, but it's not the same team. No, I mean it's a terrible team. I have some, I have some curiosity. Uh, more, kind of how he will be welcomed back or, or, or received, and and uh, you know if he's going to go out there with the mentality that he wants to drop sixty on him. <laughs> he is red hot right now, and he's had two days off. 
And I kind of think it's going to be a lower stress. I don't want to say low stress, but a lower stress game. Like I don't think, I mean, I guess anything's possible. It's the NBA. It's the end of a road trip. It's before a holiday. They would lay an egg. But I think it's an opportunity to pound an opponent into submission. It wouldn't blow me away if LeBron has a huge game tonight. And not because he's trying to send some message, just because the the situation is set up that way. But I, but my, my point is, I'm not feeling a heck of a lot of interest either. Um, well, I'm all uh, in tonight on Mavs Net, so you know I'm I'm probably the wrong guy to ask. <laughs> um, I just I don't know. I I think if it was like Le- I was interested when LeBron left Cleveland and went to Miami, that interests me. I was interested when. LeBron left Miami and went back to Cleveland and played. That all interested me. This, to me, just feels completely different. He's not going to get booed, though, is he? This is the way LeBron rolls. He might. Why? Uh, There there may be. um, It's hard to know. Um, It just feels to me, Brian, like everyone in Cleveland. I think they have a video they're going to do. Um uh, you know, the, the difference is, is that in 2010, and not like, I don't want to make it sound like everybody was coming in there think, being indifferent. Obviously, fans planned for weeks about how to, you know, send a message to LeBron, but the organization incited the crowd a little bit with some of the things they did from a game operation standpoint. Like, they had some well-known Cleveland athletes and celebrities, and they showed them in the crowd, and then they would cut back to LeBron. Um warming up on the Jumbotron. So like, they would go to Bernie Kosar, then back to LeBron. Then they would go to Josh Cribbs, who was like the best Browns player, back to LeBron. Then they went to Drew Carey, you know, a symbol of you know Cleveland. Um, and Dan Gilbert made an entrance and like, you know, like he was almost like a fighter coming to the ring. Um, like they showed him walking to his seat, you know, set against LeBron. So like – Part of the reason that atmosphere was crazy was because the team was stoking the fire. So there'll be none of that. In my expectation, I don't know for a hundred percent, but there will be there will probably be none of that tonight. And you know, obviously, he's won a championship and things have moved on. But like the 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 the, the, the ticket resale market is not hot. Um, it's uh, you know, there's I'm not sensing a lot of interest even within ESPN. Uh, about the game. I mean, there's, you know, I'm not on sports center all day long. I mean, Rachel Nichols is here doing stuff. So there's, there's some stuff, but, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll be a huge emotional moment. It would be kind of cool if they gave him like a two or three minute standing ovation. Cause when he left, he checked out of the game during the finals. People thought it was possible, but they were in the process of getting swept for nothing. People had left. It was not the right atmosphere to tip your cap. And so this is an opportunity to do that. I don't know how many much, many more opportunities are going to be like this. Like, you know, um, you know, someday they'll retire his Jersey, but that'll be after his career. So it won't quite be the same. So I don't know. I'm, I am, I think I said like uh, McMahon, I am curious, but I'm not expecting there to be like Dave McMenamin and I published basically an oral history today of, um, of, um, you know, what happened in that game 2010. I'm not expecting there to be oral history is done about tonight's game, but who knows? Yeah, it just doesn't feel like it to me. I mean, I'm sorry. And I don't mean, I mean, dissing our network, I guess, but I just don't, uh, I don't think the drama of him coming back to Cleveland holds enough water for the, the people at large. We all knew he was going. We knew it all year long that he was leaving. And since he's left, Kevin Love's been injured. J.R. Smith's away from the team. They, you know, they're a shadow of themselves. Uh, so no, doesn't work for me. Sorry. Well, um, it's been a. I I uh, put, I sound like Bontemps here, but I put up a tweet yesterday about how the 2016 championship continues to just be amazing and uh, be a miracle. Which I don't say to mock the Cavs. I say because it genuinely was a miracle. Um, and the, you know, the, you know, just the things that have happened since then. So we're talking about you know, two and a quarter years, something like, you know, 27 months or something like that, 28 months. We've seen Kyrie Irving demand a trade. David Griffin leave the organization. Um, half the team get traded. LeBron leave the organization. Ty Lue get fired. An assistant coach sue the team. 
the interim coach to replace him, basically, you know, have a showdown about getting paid with the organization. J.R. Smith now in exile. Um, it's it's been quite the the ride since then. And and you know, Things Jackie, I, well, I've huh? I've um, you know, the Mavericks broke up after two thousand, you know, eleven, mm-hmm. kind of the lockout. Um, but that was kind of a conscious decision by the team, right? To not that was bring a, those that guys was a, back. That was a Cuban decision based on his interpretation of the new CBA, and he thought that boy, he was going to be able to go get Chris Paul and Dwight Howard, blah blah blah. And obviously, none of it worked out. So that was a bad decision. It wasn't because of attrition and you know people wanting the hell out of there and everything like that. I don't know. Maybe no. That no. The players were were. Not thrilled. Tyson Chandler wanted to stay. They they only offered him a one year deal. I mean, Jet Terry was mad the whole year because he saw the writing on the wall. You know, it was uh, Beret never wanted to go to Minnesota. I mean, on and on. It, that was a total Cuban decision and nothing that uh, you know. I mean, the players were were not happy that that they had to move on. And Dirk ultimately went along with it. And then you know, years later, it was like, yep, we screwed that one up. You know, Jackie, I've encouraged. Cleveland fans to try to embrace the 2016 title the way Portland embraced uh, the 1977 title, um, where it basically adopted a movement. You know, they had a magical. I, I wasn't even alive, but I'm aware of it because uh, it's had such an oral history about it, which is the um, the magical right. run they had through the playoffs. I, they were like the three or four seed in the West, maybe. They pulled a right. couple of upsets, I know. Um, and I've encouraged Cleveland to like sort of let that be branded as like this great moment. Maybe it's too soon. Maybe it's too soon to yeah. have perspective. And, and they did have this. You know. They did have this dude. This dude called Bill Walton, <laughs> kind of like LeBron. You know, Jack Ramsey. I mean, there's reasons for why it went the way it did. Uh, no, I'm not discounting uh, LeBron's great legacy in Cleveland. Please don't misunderstand me by any stretch. I just don't. Um, you know, if, if there was some drama about him leaving, which there wasn't, if there was some drama about how it affected the team going forward, there wasn't. And, uh, you know, Kyrie's was long gone by that point. Uh, so yeah. it just doesn't doesn't hold my attention. Yeah, you know, LeBron gave some quotes. So Kyrie, so this week there was a story in The Athletic where LeBron gave some quotes about right. the Kyrie trade about Kyrie. day. Right. Uh, Joe Varden had the story. It was a good interview. You know, getting LeBron to open up about stuff like that is hard. Um, yeah, so Joe does it was a good, good interview. Real good job. Um, I, I just, it's time to let that go. <laughs> you know, and I, and I kind of, I respected oh, Kyrie. Yeah. Right. Kyrie um, said, you know, I don't want to talk about it anymore. And right. <laughs> bravo. And, um, you know, LeBron was, I think, trying to explain because he knew why Joe was there. Joe covers the Cavs. He flew into L.A. to do the story. I think LeBron was trying to explain where it went sideways in Cleveland. And certainly the Kyrie trade hurt. But when LeBron signed with the Lakers this year, it was about a lot more than the Kyrie trade. Um, And I don't think that. And and to me, it's it's almost disingenuous. And that's disingenuous to me for LeBron to suggest that, well, Kyrie left, and so then it all fell apart after that. You're, we're part of the reason Kyrie left, and you know it. And that's just the fact. And that part wasn't in the story. So to me, that's a disingenuous premise. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. All right. I hope everyone enjoys their Thanksgiving. Um, McMahon, are you a – I'm not a big turkey fan. Jackie, I feel like you – are you a turkey fan? I don't feel like you're a – I feel like you would have something else on the table. No, I'm turkey straight tradition. All the way. You're straight uh, tradition. Oh, all completely. Right. I, yes, I enjoy absolutely. some good turkey, but I feel like like stuffing is the underrated star of the Thanksgiving meal. Oh, but yeah, we're best friends now. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> so let me just yeah. let me just pull a little curtain here. I don't here even, on eat, I don't even eat the studies. Uh Andrew Hahn is a huge fan of side dishes. I have been to restaurants with Andrew where he will order for his meal two side dishes. Did he, it the other day with me. He has ordered some great right. mac and he, cheese. Ooh, yes. Um, so Andrew Hahn is predisposed to like uh, stuffing, stuffing. But 
I appreciate it. What veggies? All right, thank I you want guys to veggies for quick before we go. Just quick veggies. What 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 Thanksgiving veggies are on we your put table? Some, uh, put some celery. Put some celery in the uh, stuffing. Yeah, no, yeah. No, that doesn't count. Vegetables. Yeah, I'm talking about vegetables <laughs> next to yeah. the stuffing. All Good the God, Brian. Honey oh, you know, Yeah, right. Thank you. Wait, Matt, oh, Brian, you Matt, do understand celery is is nothing. It's just water and like it's, it's, that's not a vegetable. No. Yeah, no, okay. well, no, no. I do have a question. Are, are potatoes vegetables? I don't think they I mean, are. are they? Well, no, technically, they're, they're, they're a root vegetable. All right. Well, right. Which, mash, ma- mashed taters and stuffing are are the two the two top highlights of a Thanksgiving meal. So you guys and cranberry sauce on your table. Yeah, cranberry, cranberry sauce, sauce is disgusting. I like squash. I love some squash. squash I love me good. some squash. Mm-hmm. I love peas. I love peas on Thanksgiving. Yes, I do. You know, peas are becoming more popular. They're um, people are now mashing very them and putting the, them on things. The, the peas uh, which are very is, popular in the Boyle home. Very, popular. which is old Have school in uh, England. Mushy peas are very popular. All right, we, we're off course, mm-hmm. but thank you for listening. Enjoy <laughs> everyone's uh, holiday. <laughs> Uh, thanks to um, Josh back in Bristol for spinning the dials and to Andrew and everybody have a good holiday time.